This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, welcome to Practical, Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem at Asia Torah, overlooking the Temple Mount. And happy Tubishvat for those of you who are watching this on Tubishvat, otherwise happy in general. Um, today what we're going to do is a class I haven't taught in a little while. It's called Happy. Happy, and uh, I know happy is normally not spelled with an E here, um, obviously, but in this this particular class has six points, and so the acronym happy worked out great, except we needed one more letter, so I added an E over here, okay? Now, uh, let me just make a bracha, baruch Mm. Ah, wow. Water, the elixir of life. Now, happy is um, happy is the um, six steps to getting married quickly. Okay, it's the six steps to getting married quickly. But don't get tricked by the acronym because there's nothing about marriage that's happy. Okay, <laughs> rabbis, we don't even believe in marriage. You understand? Meaning, sorry, did I just say we don't believe in getting married? Anyone with a pulse can get married. We celebrate anniversaries. You know, so when we'll be at your wedding and we're like dancing around and stuff, we're like, we're kind of rolling our eyes. Going like, you know, like this is silly because anyone can get married. It takes a real human being to stay married. It takes the kind of person who, who's, who's developed themselves in a state of, of in, in the attribute called commitment. And that, and that's, uh, I mean, obviously marriage requires lock-in, meaning your life has to turn into total hell if you blow your marriage, because it's, it, it's so intensely complicated. It's so intensely complicated to be interacting with a human being on that level. So you have to have no way out. You have to have the consequence of your marriage getting, getting derailed has to be, has to be so bad meaning that the relationship has to get to has to kind of ruin your life forever because anyone who's divorced knows that their life was never the same like it literally is a you are categorically lowered if your marriage didn't work out for the rest of your life and there's nothing you're gonna be able to do about that i mean okay in the end you know it's that person's incarnation was not going to be you know blissed out the way they might have been earlier they're going to have a rough lifetime, and that's okay. There's a lot of people suffering all over the planet, and some people are suffering that way. But for the point for us is that you have to have the consequences so intense that then it's the possibility of interaction on that level with another human being is possible to be had. And that's the insanity that I mentioned this just the other day. That's the insanity that everyone thought that birth control suddenly took the stickiness out of out of relationships like suddenly we don't have to worry so much anymore about how complicated things get as if that's the complication that's not having children is complicated and it certainly locks you in forever with a human being but that's not the complicated issue here the complicated issue is two human beings being one and you have to have no way out for that you have to have no way out for that to work and so all the people who are involved in relationships before they're married are, are jokers. 
And the biggest proof of it is every single person listening to me, whether you're in this room or whether you're at large out there, every single person listening to me who's single knows that they're single because it doesn't work unless there's no way out. And that's why you're single today, because you got out or someone else got out. And that's just the way it goes. You have to have no way out. And when there's no way out, you can have something that lasts forever. Also, if you know that you're only... Once you know this, I want you to understand how important this principle is. Once you know this, let's say you say, yeah, Rabbi Yomtev, that's real. I know this now. Well, once you know this, you're not going to be in a relationship with anyone who's not wearing an insurance policy on their finger, meaning that you didn't marry. And now your heart's insured to be in that complicated relationship because our hearts need insurance. And so that insurance policy is the ring that was put on someone's finger and locks you in forever. It's a wedding band. And, and so you're going to make damn sure you're single. You're going to make sure you stay single until you marry. And you're not going to be with anybody. You're just going to be single until you tie the knot with somebody. Because it's that complicated and that it's not worth messing with. Because, I mean, how insane are people? <laughs> like, if you count the statistics of people who stayed together with someone they weren't married to, as, you know, seriously, in the 7 billion people on the planet, if you can count that on, like, you know, what was it, 10%? With 90% breakup rate, which, and I don't even think it's that good. So then you know you stay single until you get married, period. Like, you don't need, a, you don't need to be a genius. You just stay single until you get married because you realize that you can't get married without an exit. So why are people so insane? Why are people so stupid to be in relationships before they're tied, up, tied in, locked down into it? Why do people do it anyway? It's testimony to how unbelievable low self-esteem people are that they're willing to pretend for a few months that someone's actually holding their heart. They're actually willing to pretend for a few months and then have their heart put through an egg slicer at the end of those few months and just be completely raked across the coals and then go through hell. And then, of course, major chunks of your heart get ripped off. And then the person who finally takes the plunge and puts a ring on your finger gets about half of you. Because so much of you is back in the, back in the gas chambers of... of premarital relationships so it's just not to be it's not something you play around with and if you so badly think you need a relationship with someone so get help get help that means you need help and it also means being humble enough to know that you're not going to do this on your own when I say get help I'm not saying go to the therapist or something. You, it may be you may need therapy but what I mean is get help in building yourself, because you're obviously doing a lousy job of it by yourself. Now, all of us are in a giant personal growth seminar. <laughs> it's God's seminar. Notice we're all going through it. So, like, we're in this amazing seminar, except there's a problem with God's seminar. The problem with God's seminar is that he, he sets up the seminar. I don't know why he did this, but he set up the seminar, like, kind of over your whole lifetime. <laughs> the problem is you don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. Because in the end, someone's going to be marrying you way early into your seminar which means they're marrying not just you they're marrying you and all of your stuff because you didn't work it through because you can't work it through because you're so locked into how you think you are and life is that you just you're just like 
You're wearing cement boots in your own personal growth. That's just the way God set up creation, is that you're in this long, amazing, like, incarnation of your personal growth seminar. Until you'll die and then come back again if you didn't finish what you came here to do. And therefore, we all have to put up a white flag of surrender and say to ourselves, we will never grow until we put ourselves in the line of fire of someone who knows how to cause growth in us. You find that person, I don't care who it is, you find that person who will help you get out of your stuff. And you can't see your stuff. It's so invisible to you, I can't even begin to express, but I could spend the next two hours explaining detail after detail after detail after detail after detail of how invisible your stuff is to you. So don't even begin to think that you're into growth. You're a joker. Okay, you're a joker. Get that you're a joker and put up a white flag and get yourself in the presence of someone who will reach into your, go down that rabbit hole and get dirty in there and pull you out of your garbage. Because your garbage is so familiar to you right now that you, 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 you couldn't see it if you spent the next 30 years thinking about it on your own. But in a matter of days, if you put yourself in the line of fire as someone who knows how to rip someone out of that scrap, without the S, obviously. So then, you, 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 now you're on fire, now you're good. And now someone can marry you and actually get the person instead of the person in the stuff. Which is only fair. And why should your kids be raised by a person full of stuff? Why should kids be raised by that? And why do we have to perpetuate this stuff? And a lot of that stuff's leftovers from your parents, grandparents, right? All those things that just kind of come down the generations, especially Holocaust surviving people. For, meaning, fourth, today, kids your age are like fourth generation. Oh, no, ain't no kid got time for that. Growing up with people with leftover Holocaust stuff. But meanwhile, literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children right now are growing up like as if the Holocaust was, was yesterday. I touched a kid recently. Like, kid was like uh, maybe 20 years old and I saw he was feeling a little like not part of things at the Shabbos table. So just on my way back into my dining room from the kitchen, I just touched his shoulder just to like be a little like endearing to him. I give him a little warmth. Tell him good job. Um, when I touched him, he almost jumped out of the chair. Because in his family, you don't touch. There's no touch. Post-Holocaust thing, like the, in their culture and stuff. And this is just coming down the line. He's fourth generation. So those of you think, uh, those of you think that the Holocaust ended in, in uh, 1945, you wish didn't end in 1945. We're all still, any of us from those generations are still, still, you got to see yourself literally with the distended belly and the swollen skull and the toothpick arms and flies everywhere. Like, that's how they should see themselves until they heal, even in this generation. You had a question. Yeah. Um, you're talking about, you know, go, going from kind of zero to 60 in terms of being single and married, um, but how do you kind of, I mean, I, I generally people get into relationships because it may be the one, you know. What's what's your alternative mechanism, so to speak? Thank you so much for segueing me back to this class.
The first thing to know is that is that the H is is that Hashem knows who you're supposed to marry. Hashem knows who you're supposed to marry. And so in a principle, you worry about your relationship with Hashem, and you let Hashem worry about your soulmate, like finding your soulmate. You focus on nothing but Hashem. And, and you just uh, pledge your allegiance, put your heart in God. And because God knows who you're supposed to marry, so just make it all about Hashem and let Hashem handle this. Because God, God's the only being that knows who you're supposed to marry. So you worry about that. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not saying not to use deodorant or shower and stuff. Meaning, meaning you should dress somewhat normally, and you should definitely use soap and shampoo. Okay, but stop doing everything you do that's there to somehow attract this person into your life like get rid of that and that's just not going to be helpful you're wasting your time and for all you know your soulmate's on another continent you know these days there's no way to know where your soulmate is could be anywhere it's not like we're living fiddler on the roof here and you're marrying like the butcher's child you know this is like your soulmate could be anywhere and you're just wasting your time with with uh with that vain you know, vanity. I mean, you're wasting your time with, like, vain attempts to, like, being attractive enough in some way to another person. So don't bother with that. Worry about your relationship with Hashem. You'll notice, by the way, there's a direct correlation. The more someone's into, like, this world, and I'm saying observant people, but the more they're into this world, usually the later they get married, and the more they're into that world, the quicker they get married. It's just the way it goes. I've noticed it even with my own kids because I raised my kids pretty hybrid. My kids are like, I just, my, it was my own thing I decided to do. I, whether it was right or wrong, we'll only find out later. But, because uh, there's no way to know right now. But the way I raised my kids, I mean, there are ways to know because I do have kids in there. You know, I have a married and I have grandkids and stuff. But, but the way I raised my kids was, was all of the sanctity of the, Haredi system, my kids are all Yiddish speaking, like totally, totally inside the community of the Hasidic world. But they're also like, they literally know everything about everything. And, and so we made sure they knew everything about everything. And so that made them automatically um, a little, and here's the downside, it made them a little easier, <laughs> more distractible compared to the Coke bottle glasses, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this term, Hanyakish, uh, whatever. All their all their friends who are like these, like you know, your Shalmi, like you know, like filter fish in the beard, saving it for like three weeks later. You know, they're just like they take off their goggles for when they walk through town, so they don't see anyone of the opposite gender. Of course, now they're like walking through crowds, doing braille. You know, I'll never forget an airplane ride and one of these. Teenage boys decided to be really holy and take off his his uh, his goggles, and uh, it was it was a comedy of errors. I mean, I've never seen a Hasidic man touch so many females in a matter of like just trying to find a seat. You know, you know they don't like to sit next to women on airplanes, so he figured that out through touch. Now, um, anyway, the. Hashem, the next is alive. Next is alive. Whoever your soulmate is, they're alive. Unless one of you is planning on marrying someone 20 years younger. 
And so what you want to do with a live is you want to um, start living the life of a married person as if they're already with you, even though you don't know who they are yet. But start living the way. So there's two things to know. I'll tell you real quick. Um, with a live, one is, uh, one is to uh, develop, um, let's call it relate now. Relate now. Which means, men, you can write a, write a note to her every Shabbos, for every Friday, that had you already been married to her, you'd put it by her candles. I've had men tell me, like, they've, they got married and they handed from this class, they heard this class years ago, they got married and handed their wife a stack of notes this thick from, like, you know, 50 whatever Shabbos is a year and, and like, every Shabbos, you know, it was a couple hundred notes because it took them, like, three years to get married four years, I don't know. Anyway, but he handed her a big stack of notes and says, these are all my love letters to you. Blessing you with a good Shabbos in that week's Parsha. You know, about, you know, some tying in the Parsha with their relationship and stuff. And uh, he has no idea who this person is. But but just for example, uh, let's say, ladies, if you're at the Kotel, uh, anyone going to the Kotel or went to it already? Anyone going? Anyway, when you go down there, when you go down there, Realize the person you're going to marry today is alive and may have just lost a job or maybe just got a job. Maybe he's really well or maybe just got news that he's not so well. Or who knows what they're going through. They may just be heart heartache, missing their family, or who knows what they're going through. Now, if you were married already and your spouse wasn't feeling well, would you pray for your spouse? For sure. And if your spouse was feeling lonely and down, would you pray? For sure you'd mention them in your prayers. So, like, why are you waiting? They're out there. You don't know who they are right now, but why wouldn't you pray for them? But literally pray for them today. Not, you probably only pray to meet them. <laughs> but you should be praying for them, just like you would if you were married. Okay, because they're alive. And number two is to act with dignity. You think my Hasidic daughters, like, oh, my married Hasidic daughter, do you think her dignity, like, like went up when she got married? You know, because a lot of people think, well, when I get married, I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to wear that anymore. I'm not going to hang out with those types of people anymore. I'm not going to... We have a whole list of things we're not going to do when we get married. But why don't you stop doing those things now? Stop doing all that stuff now and create yourself as a vessel for someone to get married. By the way, all six of these are create a vessel so God sends the soulmate, like, quick. So... So live as if you're already married. And the answer is no, my daughter's lifestyle didn't change getting married. She was living that way before that. You understand? She didn't like shift the things she now doesn't do because she got married. She lived that way. She was a Hasidic girl. And so she lived that way. And then she, and then she got married in that style. So she was already that vessel. The next is uh, private. Next is private. And that is that... Um, is that people who are um, people involved with intimate relationship of marriage, do, they never share the details of their intimacy in their marriage. They, they, they don't give so much information. I give more information just because I'm training people. And Any issue I mention between my wife and I would be like from 20 years ago. It's not going to be, like I mentioned the current like place we're growing together. Like That's not part of it. So the, um, you're private about it. Notice, every rabbi you've ever heard who's a great rabbi who can speak about every subject, what's the one subject you never hear about? The intimacy of their marriage. That you're not going to hear about. And so there's a level of privacy that is, that 
it happens in a home. And, and that privacy is super special. Just one more hint for those who are uh, dating is that never date publicly. Don't let anyone know that you think you found your soulmate. Until you're engaged, keep it under wraps. Don't start showing up at Shabbos tables. Don't become like an item or something that you're thinking of getting married. You know, like, but that's what people like doing, especially girls. Because mm -hmm. girls want to kind of announce to the world, don't mess with this guy, this is mine. And so, and so they'll like, they'll, they'll get this guy like showing up everywhere with them just to like ruin him for the future of any other girl. And, but you do not want to do that. Why? Because if it's truly your soulmate, you don't want anyone's eyes on it. Eyes are dangerous. People get real jealous. And jealousy sticks big time. Now, obviously, if you have a perfect track record and you're really at Sadiq, so the jealousy, you're like Teflon. But a lot of us have, God basically, uh, there's a whole other Kabbalistic teaching, but each one of us has a file upstairs, and that file stays closed because God's full of mercy. <laughs> so he keeps our file closed. The only thing that can open your file is jealousy. Making someone jealous opens your file upstairs. A little Kabbalistic secret that we should all know is that don't make people jealous because if they cast their eye, it's dangerous because your file opens and, and stuff can happen there. So, by the way, after you get engaged, tell everybody, no private secret engagement. So before engagement, don't let anyone know you're dating that person. After engagement, make a good announcement. What's that? Why let everyone know after you get engaged? Um, I, I don't, I, I, I'm sure I could explain the mechanism. But uh, this is, I'll just tell you from my own experience, is that people who had private engagements, I've seen them break off. Because whatever, they were saving it until the grandparents got back from the board or whatever. The, um, you know, if that's saving it for a day or two, that's fine, three days, four days. But uh, going for secret engagements is like, is like, I don't know why, it just invites trouble. And the trouble hits big time. So it's just one, it's probably back to the beginning of the class and the mechanism is locking things in. Gotta be locked in, and um, nothing like public knowledge of your status. I engaged. Nothing like public knowledge of locking things in. Okay? Only can be passed. That's only like upped by marriage itself, and in front of hundreds of people coming to your wedding, where you're just so locked in because the whole world is there to witness the, the, the process. What about when you're like, dating? You don't integrate them into your lives. Who? Like the person. Not at all, no. No, no. No, stay, first of all, if you think you found your soulmate, get engaged. And, and if you're, you don't want to integrate them in your life at all. Getting to know them better? Yeah. I mean, unless you've lost your intuition, but thank God girls, and this is a woman asking this question, girls have intuition when it comes to the guy. So you definitely don't have to worry about that unless your intuition's just gotten crushed by feminism or something, which does happen. Um, the, the feminist world has had a has, has had a directly a direct proportion with loss of intuition. So and then they say, and so they say, well, well, it's discriminatory to run such a it's discriminatory to have such an have such a uh, what's the word inquiry. Uh, have an inquiry like that anyway, meaning, meaning no more signs, please. We're, men and women are the same when it comes to that. And, and certainly two men can raise children just as good. Hmm? 
Throwing your child against the wall, is that compassionate? You know, everything has a time. Throwing a kid against the wall? Are you a kid or you're a parent? I'm a kid. Sometimes you just throw kids against the wall, you know? Kids throw kids against the wall. <laughs> Adults don't throw kids against the wall. <laughs> but sometimes when they're really little, you can pin them up <laughs> really high, and you tell them you're not coming down until <laughs> you start behaving. Okay. Keep them real up there. You can pin them. Okay. Now, um, okay, so that's, that's private. Next is um, platonic. And that is, uh, platonic means we're just friends, and do not be friends with people of the opposite gender, period. Just don't have friends of the opposite gender. If you have friends of the opposite gender, you're pushing off your marriage big time, because you're not a vessel. You're already covered. You already got all these people, like, interacting with you, so you, you just don't need enough for God to fill the need. God's amazing at filling needs. That's really God's job, if you think about it. Like, you're hungry, and God will figure out a way to feed you, you know? What about once you're married? One sec. Let me just finish that point. Is that the God's the master of filling needs, and when you're having platonic relationships, like you got, you know, people in your life that are of the opposite gender who are kind of covering your bases, and I understand that, really understand that deeply, because today, now that marriage has been pushed up a lot, to, you know, people are getting married in their mid-20s, 30s, 40s. You have needs. And 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 so you're going to obviously have relationships with people of the opposite gender just to fulfill some of those needs. I'm not talking about intimate relations. I'm talking about friends. This platonic means friends. We're just friends. So so you got to get rid of those platonic relations. Now, someone might say, well, I'll be so lonely without that. And the answer is that that if you have these five, these six steps together, you're going to be married soon. So it's worth sacrificing a little now and being a little lonely now to get your soulmate quicker. And anyway, what do you want all these relationships for when you could be married to one person? And so it's worth cutting off all your platonic relationships in order to have the actual relationship that's, that's was what, you were intend, what was intended for you in this particular incarnation, what you were doing here this time around has a lot to do with who you marry. And so stop fooling around with all these friendships and instead have a relationship with people of your gender. Now, another quick thing is that the people most busted for this are women. Men are not that relationship-oriented. We, we, like, we like things like motorcycles and craft beer and stuff. There, there are studies I saw. In, uh, it, I, saw I, um, I heard one study that, that basically the majority of men... How's it going? Welcome. I got two seats there. Are there two seats? The majority of men, like vast majority of men, are interested in things, and the vast majority of women are interested in people. Think about it. Think about it. The vast majority of men are interested in things, and the vast majority of women are interested in, in people. And so, and so, uh, I forget why I'm even talking about that. What were we on just now? Yeah, we're on. Men don't do this as much as women. Once a woman hasn't gotten married, let's say at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, she's got a multi-spectrum relationship need. And since feminism, where women are just kind of not seen 
that is a weird thing. Feminism is like the strength of women, and that's, you know, it should be something beautiful, except it often winds up becoming the disdain of women, meaning to the point where, I hate to say this to you, but probably almost every female in this class, almost every female in this class is only here because she wants to hear a man speak. Almost every female in here. And I hate to accuse you of that, and don't get all defensive and say, like, say like not me, but... You've been dipped, if you're, ra if you're in 2019, I don't care how observant you were raised, you've been dipped in that stuff. And you don't respect women, period. And you don't even like them very much. And, and, so, and so you're really happy to be in a class with men in it and in a class taught by a man. And, and which means you do not celebrate your gender. The way Jewish people live, we celebrate our gender. We celebrate who we are. You know, to my, you know what my wife said, being raised secular and then became observant? She said it took her 10 years to unglue her fingers at the weddings from the partition, the mechitza, to watch the men dance. Meaning all the women are dancing, besides all the young girls who are, now some of them are just staring at boys, but a lot of them are, because that's where the action is. Because I don't want to dance with a bunch of weak-kneed ladies. Ten years later, she finally was able to peel her hands off that partition and go celebrate being a female. It took her ten years to get over her upbringing. And so, but even raised observant today, you're just as dipped in this stuff. You're just as dipped in it. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean we're not happy you're here. Because there are things you will learn at Asia Torah that nobody's going to talk about. And this class is one of them. Okay? So, no platonic relationships. Um, we're at two more. This one's against the guys. That was more against the girls. This one's against the guys. And that is that, that uh, gentlemen, um, and this is especially to those loose clickers on the internet, um, you have no idea of what your proper expectations are to know that the woman's across from you when you're meeting her because you've been so badly badly damaged by the images you've seen and that you're, you're just like you wouldn't even know you're standing across from your soulmate if she appeared because I don't know because she doesn't look like she's from Sweden or something and so and so just and this now this is for everybody this is for everybody is take Make a list of the hundred most important things you want in a spouse. Take it to a well-ventilated area and burn it. Get off Santa's lap. Okay? And, and start getting real with the fact that marriage is about work. It's not about comfort. Because your whole list of all the things you want is just comfort. You want to know something? Every, every man I've ever met, in the yeshiva community at least, when I ask them what's the number one thing you're looking for, they always say low maintenance. You understand? Meaning, I want to not have to work on my relationship. Low maintenance. Okay? Now, there's no such thing, and that's a total joke. Okay? That's expectations. Shalom. And the last one, early, I got a super late start today, as you know, but we're on, we're on the last point. I'm sorry. We're on the last point. And the last point is you. And this one we already spoke about today, so we don't have to go into it. Just let me give this last point. Last, oh, by the way, with expectations, you're allowed three deal breakers. Like, if you're observant, they should be observant. If you got a PhD, they should at least have gone to college, maybe. You know, like, you can't have, if you're Persian, they should be Persian. Okay? Um, we've got the last one, which is you. 
you, the final one, is that in the end they're getting you. Get your act together. Clean yourself out. Get someone in front of you who will get you out of your stuff so that you can offer someone you in marriage, which is those who tuned in just now can go back in the class and see where we spoke about 10 minutes on just developing yourself. Because God's personal growth seminars, it's just too long. A, you know, 80 years is too long a seminar. you got to get married now, which means you got to develop yourself big time. And once you're fully developed and you got all five of these, you're going to be married. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.